Well, today is going to be a Father's Day message, but ladies, you're really not excluded. If you listen carefully, there's something in it for you uh, as well. I'm praying there's something for all of us. Get your Bible, get your device. Are you ready for the Word of the Lord today? Are you really ready? Okay, go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Before we read the text, uh, I want to tell you that we're going to be working with what, I, what we're going to refer to as an operative word today, the important overriding word in this message. I, I, for some reason, I feel the need to just sort of drive this stake in the ground and make it clear that everything that we're communicating comes from this word, and the word is guard. Can you say that with me? We, now, we know what it means. The word guard means it means to protect, to keep safe from harm or danger. It means to watch over, to keep close watch, to prevent uh, escape. When I think of the word guard, I think of all the times that I'm out with with, uh, Miss Becky and we are in a restaurant or we're at some place uh, where she's, she's set her purse down right here and she's either going to the restroom or going to another part of the store, whatever, and she will always say, guard my purse. But she says it as if I've never understood that before. Guard my purse. Like, you mean if somebody comes along and acts like they're going to take it, I need to stop them? Is that what you want me to guard? And she looks at me with a real sweet smile when I say that. And so, but she says, but she says, I just want you, want you to guard it. Now, she's been saying this to me every time we've been out for 47 years. So I, I get it now that if anything happens, I'm responsible. I would just like to say in 47 years, no one has ever stolen your purse under my watch, okay? <laughs> just want to say that. Look at your neighbor and say, guard it. Oh, come on. Look at your neighbor and say, guard it. All right. We know. Of course, that this book of Timothy, you've gone to 1 Timothy, is written by the Apostle Paul to young Timothy. Timothy was Paul's spiritual son. This made Paul Timothy's spiritual father. And Paul, right here in our text, is going to give some great advice for young Timothy in the text that we're going to read together in just a second. I think the advice Paul gives is, is good for all of us here this morning and particularly for those who have ears to hear and especially the dads in the house. 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting with verse 20. Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. That's a very strong statement and the kind of thing that you probably would really only say to a spiritual son. Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Verse 21, some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. And then he concludes it by, may God's grace be with you all. If you're taking notes, there are four things that I want to pull out of this text. The first two are things that I think we need to recognize. Number one, number two are things we need to recognize or be aware of. The third thing I'm proposing is something that you must be, that we must be. It's something that I think God is calling us all to be. So the first thing, first two things are things that we need to recognize, be aware of. The third thing is something we must be. And the last, the fourth thing is something that you must have. 
Here's number one. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down, okay? Number one, we must recognize the gap. Say it. Thank you. (laughs) We know what a gap is. It's a place where there's a void. It's a place where something probably should be, but nothing is there. If you've ever been to London and you've ridden the tube, which is their underground subway system, you know that every time the doors slide open, there's this lovely voice that comes on and says, yeah, I should have Mary come and say it for us with her accent this morning. I wasn't even going to attempt it. But it says, mind the gap. That's what it says. It's a warning that you're about to take a step But there's a gap between the subway car and the platform that you're going to need to step out onto. We must recognize the gap. We may see a wall being built, uh, but there's a place in it where it's not finished yet. There's a space, and and it's a gap. (coughs) Excuse me. This easily brings to mind to me the story of Nehemiah, which, you know, we we, uh, preached on this uh, earlier in the month of May. You'll recall that God called Nehemiah to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem, which was in rubbles during the time when the Israelites were in exile. And there were significant gaps in the wall. And Nehemiah began to recognize, oh, that's the place where we're going to hang the doors. But he began to see that there was an issue with the gaps. We must recognize the gap. Now, gentlemen, fathers in the house today, all the guys, I think we can pretty much agree that men are builders. Would you say amen to that? That did not sound like the men said amen. It sounded like the ladies said it. We build stuff, don't we guys? Yeah. Come on, let me hear a big manly, yeah! Thank you. Most of the time, at least at our house, it goes like this. We try to build stuff. We don't follow the directions. And then once we mess it up completely, we then call the professionals to come and build it the right way. Can I get an amen to that? But it still holds true that God has designed men to where they just have a natural proclivity toward, they have a natural instinct toward building stuff. We have that sense within us. We got to build a family. Got to build a marriage. Got to build a house. We got we, we to build our finances. We got to build our retirement. And while this natural inclination toward being builders is there, some are better than others, put me at the bottom of the list. What we're talking about this morning is what God has called us to guard. Say, guard it. <clears throat> now, in the midst of whatever you're building, I'm here to remind you that there is something that you must guard. And from our text this morning, we need to do a little snooping around and digging around to find out what is it that we must guard. Now let me take you to let me take you to the Old Testament to Nehemiah. I mentioned him a minute ago, Nehemiah chapter 4. This is going to help me build my case here. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So Nehemiah says, so I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords and spears 
and bows. Now, why? Because Nehemiah recognized very quickly that while he was building this wall to bring protection to the Israelites, there were gaps. He recognized there were gaps. There were places of void. There were exposed places. And I believe, and I'm proposing to you today, that is exactly what Paul is trying to get young Timothy to see and to recognize. And Paul is warning Timothy when he says from our text, guard what God has entrusted to you. Guard it. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of begs the question, well, what has been entrusted to him? Scripture doesn't really tell us right here in Timothy. We just know that something has, that, that Timothy has been entrusted with something and he needs to guard it. That's all we know. Let me remind you again what Paul said. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. So while we may not know yet what has been entrusted to Timothy, we do know that some people have taken what has been entrusted to them and they've seen a gap but then something else has crept in through that gap, and they have then departed from the very thing that they had been entrusted with. Paul's word to Timothy was simply this. You have been entrusted with something extremely important. It was that which God himself gave you, but you must mind the gap. And here's why. Because we have a very natural inclination to spend our lives looking down the sniper rival scope of our target. And it's so easy for us to look down the target scope of life with very good intentions, but all the while focusing on the wrong target. Let me tell you what I mean. If you ask a man what God has entrusted to him, you ask the dads in the house here today, what has, what has God entrusted you with? Most men will indicate one or more of the following things. Well, God has entrusted me with my family, and, and, and I'm going to protect my family. I'm the guardian of my family, and, and believe you me, I'm going to protect them. And you should do that. Some other men might say, you know, I, I'm the protector of, of my fi the finances in our, in our house, and, and that's what I do. That, that's, what I'm gonna, that's what I'm entrusted with, protecting our finances, and you should protect your finances. Some, would say, some might say, um, I have been entrusted with, with time, and I've, I've learned over the years that time is my most valuable asset, so I, I'm entrusted to protect and to guard my time, and that's a good thing to do for sure. But I'm here to tell you this morning, Paul is talking about something different than any of those kinds of things. Those are good things, but he's saying something different. So how do we find out what Paul is saying to Timothy? What has Timothy been entrusted with that he's supposed to guard? In order to get a better idea of what Paul is trying to communicate to you and to us regarding, or communicate to Timothy actually regarding what's been entrusted, it requires us to look at the broader spectrum of Paul's writings to see where else he uses this kind of terminology. Where else does he say something like this? Where else is Paul using this same idea of guard what's been entrusted to you, the good deposit that God has placed in you? Because when you do study Paul, 
you see that he is so obsessed with guarding this one thing that we need to know for sure what this one thing is that we're supposed to be guarding. So I've done the research for you. You're welcome, by the way. Let me show you two or three passages here where we get a clue because there's a clue for us about what it is that we need to guard, what it is that Paul is saying to Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. The first one, I'm, and I, they'll come up here on the screen, 1 Thessalonians 2, uh, verse 4. <clears throat> Paul says this, but as we have been approved by God, same kind of verbiage, that's what you're going to notice in these couple of verses here, that's how we find this out, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with, here it is. What is it? That's it? That's it? All that buildup, Dan, for that? That's it? Uh, Pastor Dan, I, I know what the gospel is. It's the good news of Jesus. How am, I supposed to, how am I supposed to guard that? Well, let me give you another one. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. Paul says this in 2 Timothy. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Verse 14, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So what is, what is the good deposit? It's sound teaching and you are to guard it, is what Paul tells us. So what is the pattern of sound teaching that Paul preaches over and over and over again. When you read the works of Paul, what is the pattern of sound teaching? Guess what? It's the gospel. And his instruction to Timothy and to us today is that we are to guard it. Have you ever thought in terms of that? That it's your responsibility as a believer? It's my responsibility as a believer? I need to guard the gospel? What does that mean? And but we do it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives within. One more, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Another place where Paul is using similar verbiage, similar terminology. He says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Paul is telling us to guard the gospel simply because he knew that this world has come to rob us of the gospel. The world has come to rob the good seed that has been deposited in us. Now, some of you may be wondering what I mean by this idea of guarding the gospel. Most of you would say, yes, I believe in the good news. Yes, I, I know that Jesus died and rose again. Yes, I know that he's coming again. I know the good news. How, how on earth am I supposed to guard it? Well, let me give you, I'm going to spend the rest of our time talking about ways that you might consider. Let me first present to you this way. Fathers in the house, ladies, this is for you too. We are to be kingdom-minded people first. Kingdom-minded people first. What's the verse in Matthew 6, 33? Seek ye the kingdom of God. It should be, what does that mean? That should be our first filter through which we look at everything. When you are a kingdom-minded person, when you, when you think kingdom first, kingdom first, that means whatever comes your way, 
Whatever situation that you face this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, the first filter through which you look ought to be your kingdom-minded. What does this have to do with the kingdom of God and advancing the kingdom of God? In fact, I would go so far, men, to say this to you. The manliest thing you can do for those in your household and those around you is to guard the faith within you by being a kingdom-minded person. So what if the way you guard your time is by guarding the gospel? What if the way you guard your family is by guarding the gospel? What if the way you guard your finances is by guarding the gospel? Because when you guard the gospel, guess what? Your finances will be protected. That's the way that works. And if we will get this one thing right, if we will guard the gospel beyond anything else in our lives, for your sake, for your family's sake, for your employer's sake, for your employee's sake, if you will guard the good deposit that God has entrusted to you, then it overflows into every aspect of your life. Hallelujah. So the very first thing we need to be mindful of, we need to recognize is the gap. There's a gap. It's the places in all of us, in all of our lives, where things can creep in and we need to be aware of it. The gap. There's a gap. You have gaps in you. I have gaps in me. We need, we need to be mindful of it. Second thing, I said, second thing we need to recognize, be mindful of it. Once we are mindful of the gap, then Paul then wants us to be mindful of the garbage. The garbage. How many know what garbage is? Once Nehemiah identified the gap, he realized that was where the enemy was coming into the camp. Oh, we have gaps in this wall. That's, that's how they're getting to us. Where the gap is, any place you got a gap, you can be sure that's where the garbage is coming in. Going on in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6, he says... <clears throat> At last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. I love it. Love it when the people work with enthusiasm. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, the, the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were not happy. In fact, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and to throw us into confusion. Once you know where the gap is, church, then you become mindful of the garbage that's trying to come in. You've got a gap. You've got garbage coming into that gap. And this is exactly what Paul was trying to tell young Timothy. I want you to guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. Look at it again. It was our, our text. Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. And then here's the garbage he's talking about that can come in. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who pose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith or they have missed the mark is another way of what that's saying there by following such foolishness. Why did some miss the mark? Because they didn't guard it. They missed the mark because they didn't guard the gospel. The one thing, the one thing, the most prized possession that God ever gave you is the good news of the gospel of Jesus. There ought to be a big old amen right there. 
One of our greatest honors and one of our greatest responsibilities in life is to guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to us. Paul talks to us about garbage in Philippians chapter 3. Honestly, if you really think about it, most of Paul's writings are about showing us the gaps in all of us and the garbage that comes in through those gaps. Most of Paul's writing is basically like that. In Philippians 3, there is this garbage coming into the church at Philippi uh, called pride. And Paul says, but if anybody, ha- if anybody has the right to be prideful, it's me. I'm the Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised on the, on the eighth day. If anybody has had it together as, as a Jew, it is me. If anybody wants to be prideful, it could be me. But look what he says to the Philippians. Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. How many of you found that to be true? Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. When compared to the gospel, the most precious thing that you have, it's worthless. For his sake, I have discarded everything else. He says, and he actually uses this word here in the New Living Translation, calling it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. It's been the gospel all along, the gospel of Jesus all along. It's all that truly matters. When we think of all that we chase after in life, Paul was, Paul was saying, I, I've done it all. I've, done all, I've had all the accolades. I've, I've done all the stuff you're supposed to do. I've, I've done all that. I've got the T-shirt. I've checked all the boxes. I've achieved it all. But at the end of all of that, after all that I strive for, after all that I've worked for, I realize at the end that the greatest honor that we've been entrusted with is the gospel. The gospel. Can Bethesda say amen today? And when I compare everything else to the gospel, it's garbage. Everything else compared to the gospel is garbage. Dads, one of the best things you can do as a father or a man is to, number one, recognize the gaps. I understand it's easier to see the gaps in everybody else than it is in yourself. I know how that works. It's easier to see the gaps in your spouse. It's easier to see the gaps in your kids. There's gaps in all of us. In the wall that we're building, whatever you're building, there's gaps in all of us. And that's where the garbage come in. Number two, recognize the garbage. When the world tells us otherwise, it's not garbage, it's garbage. <laughs> it has lots of colors to it. Don't try to smell it. That's, you know. But when the world tries to tell you otherwise, when the news tries to tell you otherwise, when society tells you otherwise, If we are not careful as Christians, we might simply begin to give in to culture. Well, you know, I I guess that that does kind of make sense. And I, I understand how some people could see it that way. No, no, no. We are called to guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to us. Guard it with everything within you. Intentionally, purposefully guard it. Because if you don't, no one else will. Everybody shout, guard it. So when you recognize the gap and you recognize the garbage, it's time for number three. You absolutely must be, and here's what you must be, the guardian. 
you are the guardian. You Say, I'm the guardian. Bethesda, I can't be your guardian. Becky keeps me too busy at our house being the guardian of our house. I can't do it. I'm your pastor. And there are responsibilities that go along with that. I will be all to you that God gives me the grace to be in that regard. But I am not your guardian. You are the guardian to your family. You are the guardian to your finances. You are the guardian to your kids. Yes, get your kids to church. Get your kids to the youth group or to the children's ministry, whatever's age appropriate. And we will reinforce the good job that you're doing as the guardian in your own home. That's what we are called to do. But you are the guardian of the gospel in your home. You are the guardian of the gospel with your kids. You are the guardian of the gospel with your marriage. You are the guardian of the gospel at your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your mind, in your heart, and in your soul. You have to guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. Somebody say, that's right. Nehemiah had to walk through this. He saw the the gap. He saw the garbage. And in chapter 4, verse 9 of his book of Nehemiah, he says, but we prayed to our God and we guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. We guarded it day and night to protect ourselves. You and I see garbage coming in on the nightly news, on your Facebook page, hello, on all social media, on your internet news feed. It's garbage, 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 garbage. I tell you, I click on a news feed now every once in a while and I last a few minutes and I realize I'm getting sick. Am I the only one? There's not one happy thing happening in what they're reporting. Click, and I have to click it off. And I go, I am better off not knowing. I am better off. And I've realized what I'm doing. I'm guarding. I'm guarding that which has been entrusted to me. I will not let the nightly news, I will not let the news on the internet affect and adversely affect that which has been entrusted to me, which is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Since we now recognize it for what it is, so now we, we, you must post a guard in, in your mind. Nehemiah goes on in chapter 16 of, of, of in verse 16 of chapter 4. He says, but from then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. That was a certain kind of armor. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. Bethesda Church, hear me this morning, that is exactly what we are called to do. Work with one hand and guard with the other. You are building something. God has called you to build something, whether it's your marriage, your your financial stability, whatever it is, your your, your life of your young kids. But guess what? you got to do it with a shovel in one hand and a sword in the other. Are you hearing me this morning? Let me help you understand what that shovel is in one hand. It's probably your 401k plan. That's all right. You're working with that. That's what you do with a shovel. 
Husbands, it's, it's, it's you speaking life into your wife and speaking life into your kids. It, it's, dads, it's you working hard to provide for your family. That's, that's the shovel. You got that in one hand. But in the other hand is the sword. And the sword represents what? The Word of God. That you are declaring When you have that sword in your hand, you are declaring Jesus over your house. You're declaring the lordship of Jesus, and you are saying, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. You are a guardian of the gospel. You speak the word over your kids. You speak the word over your finances. Now, the people building the wall with Nehemiah were not accustomed to wielding weapons. You've got to understand, you know, many of the Israelites have been exiled and have been now, have now come back to Jerusalem. They're helping Nehemiah build this wall, but some of them were bakers. Some of them were blacksmiths or seamstresses. Might have been a minister of music or so in there. Who knows? And they're coming back from exile, and they've never built a wall before, nor had they ever swung a sword. But they were doing something great together. With, we heard with enthusiasm, they're building a wall. And in the process of doing something great, they had to use weapons they were not familiar with. And guys, this is the fasten your seatbelt part, okay? For some of you, the reason you don't feel comfortable praying over your wife out loud is because you've never done that before. It's a weapon you're not used to using. You haven't used that before. It's a weapon you've never used. It's a tool you've never used. You've never prayed for your kids audibly so they could hear you. And you may not have prayed audibly for anybody so they could hear you. Why? Who knows? And I get it. It can be awkward. It can be uncomfortable. It doesn't work out well when an hour ago your wife just saw you lose your temper and now you said, let's pray together. (laughs) That usually doesn't work out well and sometimes her attitude doesn't help it either. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And so you end up praying like the worst prayer that's ever been prayed ever by any Christian, ever. You know it, she knows it, and it may be the worst prayer anyone's ever prayed, but I'm here to tell you it's still a weapon. It's still a weapon. It's still a tool. It's still an an instrument. The problem we have at my house is that Papa prays too long. My grandkids say, amen, let's eat, let's eat. They want to get the prayer over with. Weapons. Weapons that you've never used before. So what the Israelites were doing is they're building the wall. They've never used. They've never used this kind of a tool. They've, they've never swung a sword before, but that's how they're having to do this. Weapons they've never used. Some of you have never trusted God with your finances. You're not used to using that weapon. You, you've, never, you've never seen the value in tithing, but guess what? That is a weapon against Satan when you do that. It's a tool, it's an instrument. Maybe you've never used any of those tools, but they are definitely there, and they're ready to be used by you. And I'm telling you what, when you will pick up a tool, even if you've never used it before, and you look at it, and you're not even sure what you do with it or which way to hold it, God will respond to the fact that you are picking up a tool, and you're ready to use it. Some of you have never made church a priority for your family. 
We have folks that treat church like restaurants. I think I'll have Italian tonight. Let's go to Bethesda tonight. I think I'll have, I'll have Chinese tomorrow, whatever that's going to be. And you've, you, you've allowed other things clear to be prioritized in your life. But let me tell you, when you are faithful to the gathering of the people of God, it is a weapon in your hand. It is a tool God has given you. Am I telling you the truth today? It's an instrument that you can use to guard the gospel in your life. That's what we mean by that. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Guard what has been entrusted to you. You have been given the most precious gift anyone's ever had. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you don't just take it. You have to be intentional about guarding it and protecting it. And I'm telling you how that happens. Because when you use tools you've never used before, you will get results you've never seen before. Did you get that? When you use tools you've never used, all right, let's put the past behind us. Let's press on toward the mark of the high call. Let's go forward. Maybe you've not been too good at that, but on this Father's Day of 2021, things are going to change in our house. It's the way it's going to happen. And I may not be good at this. This may be the worst prayer, sweetheart, you've ever heard in your life. But I'm come here, we're going to pray. And that's a weapon in your hand, my brother, that God has given you. And when you will use a tool you've never used before, you will see a result you've never seen before. Back to Paul and Timothy in the New Testament. 2 Timothy 1.13. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, Paul says to Timothy. Well, what do they learn from Paul? Over and over and over and over again. It was the gospel. It's the gospel. He says, hold on to it and keep it as a pattern of sound teaching. He goes on to say, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. There's an underlying message here that I want to be sure you didn't miss as we read through this. Through the words of Paul, the Holy Spirit who inspired Scripture, who inspired Paul to write these, to write these words, the Holy Spirit, who is God, who inspired Paul's words, is saying, God is saying this to you, I trust you. I trust you. When's the last time you had somebody look at you genuinely and really say, I really trust you. There's very few people who can honestly say that. And I, not only that, but God is saying that which, through Paul, that which has been entrusted to you, that means you're trusted. God trusts you. Even on your worst day, he trusts you. Even when you fail as a father, he trusts you. Even when you mess up and could not have messed up any worse, God still looks at you and says, but I trust you. Not only do I trust you, but I trust you with my most prized possession, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the story of how I sent my son to earth to die on a cross, the hope of, of all mankind. And here's the way I feel about it. Mystery of all mysteries. God has chosen broken vessels into which he places his most prized possession. I wouldn't have done that, would you? Take a broken vessel and take the most precious thing I have to offer and I house it in a broken vessel? But that's what he's saying. He trusts you. Paul puts it this way. 
in 1 Timothy 1.12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength to do his work for he has considered me and appointed me to serve him. You are trusted by God today. Oh, somebody grab that. I'm trusted. He trusts me on my worst day. Can you, and, and the way Paul says that, it's like I almost hear it. This is the way I hear it. Paul's saying it. Can you believe? Can you believe that God has entrusted me with this after all I've done? I used to kill Christians for crying out loud. I killed the very people. And he trusts me, and in his mercy, God has chosen to trust the one who used to kill Christians with the gospel. Can you believe he trusts you? Is Larry Adley here today? Larry Adley, can you believe God trusts you? Jack Tebow, do you believe God trusts you? How can it be? I can't, he would trust Dan Smith? He would? Every one of you, he has trusted with the gospel. And that's a message you need to hear today. Paul says to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 2.4, For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. That's you, church. That's you, Bethesda. We speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. The word entrusted here, I had, to, I had to root around a bit in this. It's pistuto, pistuo, which means to credit, to place confidence in, to think to be true. And here's what I love about this. <laughs> On your worst day, when you don't have it together, God says, I know you don't deserve this. I know that. I know you haven't earned this trust I'm placing in you. But guess what? I'm going to put a credit of trust in you. I'm crediting you with some trust. Even though you've not earned it on your own and you don't deserve it, I'm crediting. That's the root behind this word entrusted. You're being credited with, with that. So you've got to recognize the gap. You've got to recognize the garbage. Then we become the guardian. And then the fourth thing is something you must have. I present this to you. I want to read our text again, 1 Timothy 6.20. Only this time I'm reading it from the message. It's got a little different angle on it. I want you to see. The message, it says this. And oh, my dear Timothy, guard the treasure you were given. Guard it with your life. Avoid the talk show religion and the practice confusion of the so-called experts. People caught up in a lot of talk can miss the whole point of faith. And then, if I were Dr. Joel Gregory, I'd say, come close to me, come close to me. I want you to lean in on this last sentence because it tells you what we must have, our fourth point. Overwhelming grace keep you. Come on, say it again. Point number four is the grace. When Paul uses the verbiage, keep you, overwhelming grace keep you. 
It's the same verbiage when he was saying, keep it, keep it, guard it, guard it. You do the keeping, you do the guarding, it's your responsibility, you're the guardian. So what happens to most of us is this wave, kind of most of us guys, can come crashing over us. Okay, I gotta look for the gaps. I gotta find the gaps. I gotta be mindful of all the gaps, and then I gotta, and then I gotta, I gotta watch for the garbage that, that, that's, that's coming in, and I gotta be the guardian. And, and it's and it's overwhelming. It can be very, very overwhelming, particularly depending on how many gaps you got in various aspects of your life. But what Paul says here by this last sentence, he says the only way you can keep it is because overwhelming grace is keeping you. Overwhelming grace is keeping you. Fathers, grace is keeping you today. Somebody say hallelujah. Grace is keeping you today. You can be a good guardian. You can be a good father. Not because it's you, but because you're being provided overwhelming grace to keep you for every season, for every trial, for every obstacle, For every time your kid does something stupid, which is often, and every time you do something stupid, which is probably more often, can I get an amen? Amen. There's a very special grace ready to be poured out on you. And you will certainly find that with God, his grace is sufficient for every situation. You are called to be the guardian of your family. But according to 2 Timothy 1.14, you have the promise of the Holy Spirit who lives within. Aren't you glad he lives within? You have the promise of the Holy Spirit who dwells within to be your helper. I want every father, grandfather in the house to stand today. If you'd stand. They're going to put up this 2 Timothy 1.14. But I've personalized it a bit. This is the way I want us to say it together today with great gusto. My personalization comes from these brackets. That means that's a slight departure to put in the, another, uh, another person, like to, says it slightly different. But that's the way we're going to personalize it today. Come on. Men, I want you to say it in a nice manly voice, not loud and proud. Let's say it. Through the power who lives within me, I will carefully Okay, that was almost okay. (laughs) Almost. But I want you to say this and make this a declaration on this Father's Day like you mean it with every fiber of your being. Do it again. Come on, guys. Through the power. And that truth is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Fathers, you are the guardian of the gospel for yourself and for your family, and you can do it because of God's grace.